0: I'm just on Facebook. I saw a friend request came in. Yeah, I'm not praying. I'm not, that's spiritual. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm not actually on Facebook, but the average U.S. adult spends three hours and 15 minutes a day on their phone. Isn't that crazy? That baffles me. Uh, I was so convicted when I was studying for the sermon that I deleted Facebook and Instagram off my phone. So I'm like, yeah, come on. I don't know who woohooed, but there you go. It is healthy. Mentally, it is healthy to do that. But three hours and 15 minutes every single day. Now, I know a lot of that is email. When you actually have to email, you got to make phone calls. That's, That's good. But still, three hours and 15 minutes every single day, that's a lot of time. Five hours and four minutes every single day is how much time we spend with the TV on in our house. Isn't that crazy? This is baffling to me. Now, I know some of that is background noise to me, but that is an insane amount of time to have the TV and, and to be on your phones. An hour and 45 minutes every single week is how much time you spend on the toilet. That's a lot of time, too. Now, I know some of that, right, is because we're on our phones when <laughs> we're in the bathroom. And I know for those of us who did the Daniel Fast back in January, we definitely doubled those numbers. Um, one person knows what I'm talking about yeah that Daniel fast will just like yeah anyway so keep it going but an hour and 45 minutes a week is equivalent to 92 days in your life you are on the toilet for three months in your life eat more fiber people let's go come on drink more water (laughs) yeah too much information I blow those numbers out of the way no I'm kidding I'm kidding But time, time is a really sensitive topic to talk about. I mean, it's why I get so convicted about how much I use social media and how much I'm on my phone. I just got a a notification on my phone. I have an iPhone, so I have the screen time app. And it said my my screen time usage was down 44% from last week from when I deleted social media off my phone. That's huge. That was like, I'm better than you. No, I'm kidding. But that was like refreshing. Like, man, life feels good. Lives the time is a really, really sensitive topic because when we look at our lives and when we lay down our heads on our pillows at night and we think, what did I do today? I don't know about you, but I want to feel like I have meaning. I want to feel like I did something that day. I want to feel like my life actually has purpose instead of just watching Netflix, going on Facebook and working and going home. And I know that this is probably the the average day for for a lot of us and myself included, but this bothers me because I think there's got to be something more to life than this. There's got to be something deeper. There's got to be something greater that we were truly meant for instead of just being on our phones and and watching TV and and apparently going to the bathroom way more than we expected. But there's got to be something more. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is where we're gonna be today. And King Solomon is talking about this concept of time. And he has a lot of wisdom when it comes to what time means and how we're using it. So Ecclesiastes chapter three, very famous passage. It says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build What do workers gain from all of their toil, all of their work? It's a very famous passage that King Solomon is speaking about his entire life. He's been a king. He's been wealthy. He's been the head of many projects. And yet what King Solomon is telling us through this passage is that there's a time for everything. Things are born and things die. Things start and things stop. And really, if we pull back the meaning of this passage, what King Solomon, the wisdom he's trying to convey, what he's trying to reveal about what life is all about is that all of us, whether we're rich or we're poor, whether we're vegans or we're meat eaters, whether we drink a lot of water or we drink a lot of Diet Coke, whether we're black or white, Hispanic or whatever, whoever we are, we are all mastered by time. Every single one of us has an invisible clock above our heads that we can never see, but it's constantly ticking. We don't know how much time we have. We know that we were born and we know that there's going to be a time when we're no longer here. And this thought, reading what King Solomon has to say, always gets my mind running of why are we here? This question drives me insane. There's been so many sleepless nights that I've had in my life where I'm only 26 years old, but I lay down my head on my pillow and I think, what am I going to do for the next 50 years of my life? How am I going to make it meaningful? How am I going to be happy with the way that I'm living? What do I need to do? But the very fact that we're asking this question in the first place should encourage us. The very fact that we search and we seek for the meaning of life and we search and we seek for the purpose of life, it should encourage us because it tells us that there's something more. It tells us that there's something greater to this life than just being born, playing a lot, going to school, graduating, getting a couple jobs, then getting a career, then having a midlife crisis, and then retiring at 65, and then collecting seashells until we die. (laughs) Nothing wrong with any of those things, but if that is the point of life, and if that's just all we're doing, there's got to be something more to this. King Solomon goes on to Ecclesiastes 3.11 And this is where the truth comes out about who we are as human beings. He says, God has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end, but God has set eternity in your heart. There's a reason that you ask these questions. There's a reason you ask these big existential questions about life and the meaning and the purpose of life. It's because you were created for something more. There's a reason why we don't find fulfillment in our jobs. There's a reason we don't find fulfillment in getting a raise. There's a reason we don't find true lasting fulfillment in getting another follower, or feeling respected at home, or feeling respected at work. All of those things are great things. They're not evil in and of themselves, but the pursuit of those things, the pursuit of being approved by other people, the pursuit of significance, the the, the pursuit of fame, it's all broken. It's never lasting. And if this is what we're pursuing in life, we're always going to be asking the question, what else is there? There's got to be something more to life than this. And the truth of God's word this morning for all of us is that we were created for something more. We were created for something deeper because God has set eternity in the hearts of every human being. Five-year-old Albert Einstein figured this out which always drives me insane. I read about this story two weeks ago, and it drives me insane that five-year-old Albert Einstein was asking these questions about life. I don't know what you were doing at five years old, <laughs> but a five-year-old Albert Einstein was thinking about the deep meaning and purpose of life. And he was sick at home one day, stayed home from school. And I love this because he stayed home alone from school. Who leaves a five-year-old at home? But his parents left him home from school a different time. They come, his dad comes home from, from work over lunch to feed him, to, to make sure he's doing okay, and to give him a gift. Because when you're a five-year-old kid without a smartphone, without Netflix, and you're sick at home, what are you going to do, right? There's no entertainment back in the 1800s. And so he's bored. His dad brings him home a compass. And now if I'm given a compass, I'm like, thanks, Dad. Cool, two minutes later, it's like, what else, what else to do? <laughs> but this compass is actually where Albert Einstein drove his whole inspiration from. He was an insatiable learner, one of the true geniuses that our world has ever truly seen, especially in the last 200 years or so. But his inspiration for wanting to seek out the deeper things in life was this compass. Because his dad brings home this compass and he opens it up. And he starts moving it around like anybody would do, starts finding which direction he's pointing. But he notices that there's an arrow on the compass that is always pointing north. It's always showing where true north is. And this is where Albert Einstein at five years old starts to wonder about the deeper things of life because he's twisting and turning in his bed. He's flicking it up, he's flicking it down. He's trying to manipulate it so it moves off true north, but it doesn't matter how fast he is. It doesn't matter how quick he is. It doesn't matter how much he moves or how little he moves. The needle doesn't move off of true north. And what he realized in that moment is that this compass is showing the invisible things about life that we can't see. Now, back in Albert Einstein's day, they didn't have smartphones. Our compasses on our phones, are they use GPS, right? There's nothing very spiritual about that. But compasses back in Einstein's day had molten rock from the earth at the bottom of it. And it would magnetically connect to the rock that was in the earth. And so it didn't matter where, where Einstein would move or anybody would move. There was a, it was like a magnetic force in the compass that would connect to the earth so it would always stay on true north. And Einstein realized that if there's this compass, if we, if we all have this magnetic force around us, if there's gravity all around us and we can't see it, but this compass is now revealing all these invisible things around us, what else is there in life that we're not seeing but is definitely there? Right? He starts to ask this question of, Why do we go to work every day? And we do meaningful things. Some of us are doctors. Some of us are dentists. I I don't like dentists, but you do great work, right? We need you. We need people who do everything, whether you're a doctor or whether you build roads. We need you. You're doing meaningful work. But there's a reason why we go to work and we get a paycheck, we get a raise, we move up, and it's still not enough. Because there's something that our soul needs. There's something that our soul craves that we can't see. It's like gravity. We can't see it, but it's definitely there. And whether you believe in God or not, whether you're a Christian or an atheist, you know deep down in your heart that there is something deeper, something greater, something more meaningful in life that we have yet to figure out. This is why you see. Christians and we we come to church and we do service projects in our community and we want to serve people and love people because we know that we're glorifying God, we're worshiping God and we're serving him and his creation. But then there's atheists who will give to charity, who will work for Habitat for Humanity and who will give their lives to serving other people. Because they know that just going to work and getting married and having kids, there's gotta be something more to life than this. And so we're all trying to search. We're all trying to seek out what is it to life that we're not finding, but we definitely know is there. It's like our soul is connected to this deep phenomenon that we don't fully understand, but we definitely know it's there. You guys tracking with me, know what I'm feeling? Because this is what bothers me about life. We do so many things, but we know at the end of the day that there is something deeper. There's something greater. There's something that we are all meant for. And what the Bible just confirmed for us is that we are absolutely right, that God has placed eternity in your heart. And there's a reason why the things of this earth do not fulfill you. There's a reason why money and significance and cars and boats and clothes and shoes, there's a reason why these things don't fulfill us for more than 30 seconds. It's because they're what our series is called, Under the Sun, Everything that God has created on this earth was never meant to be worshiped. Everything that God has created on this earth was never meant to be something that we find our fulfillment and satisfaction in. We were meant to worship God because of what he created. We were never meant to worship what he did create. We worship the creator, not the created. And here's what God says in in Acts chapter Acts chapter 17, it says from one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. But God did this. He created everything. God did this so that people would seek him and reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. We are God's children. This is deep wisdom that we were just given in the book of Acts. That everything created in this world is good. Money is good, but the love of money, the pursuit of money, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Family is a blessing. Family is good. Kids are good. Parents are good. But if that's where we are trying to find our true lasting satisfaction in just being a parent or a grandparent or a son or a daughter, we hurt each other. We're never going to find true, lasting fulfillment in that because we're broken people trying to love broken people. Cars are great. I got a minivan. It is sweet, right? But I can never find true, lasting fulfillment in my car, and neither can you. Whether it's a minivan that has a dent in it, stupid guy. Whether it's a minivan with a dent in it, or if it's a Ferrari, or a 67 Mustang, It's never going to bring you that lasting true fulfillment because you were never meant to to worship or be fulfilled by the things under the sun, but you are called to live above the sun. This is why the Bible says to set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Because what's on the earth is good for us. It can help us and can resource us. But what is above the earth, what is above the sun is what we were meant to worship and find our meaning and our purpose of life in. And so if we're asking ourselves this question, what is the meaning? What is the purpose of life? Where can I find my fulfillment? If you are just like me and you're laying down your head on your pillow at night and thinking, oh, I, I hope that there's something more because what I'm, what I'm doing, I'm not finding it. And this question bothers me all the time. We have the answer. That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we ask ourselves, are we truly Living. Not just surviving, but are we truly living? Jesus said, I am the one, not just the truth and the life. If you want to live and not just survive, if you want to find true fulfillment, if you want to find true happiness and contentment and enjoyment from your life, you need to find the one who is the source of life. You need to find the one who calls himself the bread of life because he satisfies every hunger for significance that you have. He satisfies every hunger for fame or for money or for anything that you hunger for and strive for. Jesus is the one that satisfies that hunger. It's why he calls himself the living water because you don't have to keep going back to a different well. You don't have to keep going to a different well to find thirst, to to quench your thirst. You don't have to keep going to everything else in the world. There is one well who gives you water that you will never have to be thirsty again. And there are too many thirsty people in this world, myself included. We run to so many other things besides Jesus. We're running to so many other things to satisfy the craving in our soul that we were meant for more. But Jesus is the living water. Jesus is the bread of life. And what Jesus had in mind is that if your life was worth saving, your life is worth living. He went to the cross so that you could live. He recognized that you and I were dead in our sins, dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions, dead in everything that we had done. We were dead spiritually. But Jesus says, I want my creation to live. I want my creation to find peace, to find satisfaction, to find fulfillment because it is from me. And so he went to the cross that you and I could live spiritually. That is the gift of God. And we only find this in humans. And you're going to go home today, and if you see your dog chasing his tail, you're not going to sit him down and be like, Oscar, why are you chasing your tail? And he's not going to go, oh, I already ate the tennis ball. I already ate my dog food, but there's got to be something more to life than this. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find it. Maybe it's my tail. Dogs don't do this. Dogs, animals, they just do what they do, but you and I, the most valuable creations that God has ever created, the ones that he has given souls to, the one that he is connected to, that insatiable craving that you have for deep longing and fulfillment in your life, that comes from a relationship with Jesus. Because the eternal God has placed eternity in your hearts and we're gonna go striving for other things to try to find that and try to find fulfillment and try to fill that void that's in our souls to make us feel like we're actually living a life worth living. But it is only through Jesus because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life is found in Jesus. And so our call from this and what we're supposed to do with this is to every single day seek his presence, seek his face. This is why 40 years of work in the same job and then you retire at the end of your time working, you're 65 years old, you got a great retirement plan, and you still feel like, well, maybe there's something more to life. And so you collect seashells, or you you become a full-time grandparent, you just do something because you got to do something. That's why 40 years of work can feel like you're still missing something, but 40 minutes of God's word and prayer in the morning can set your entire day in the right path. Because seeking Jesus, seeking His presence, seeking His wisdom, His guidance in your life, actually having a relationship with Him. I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about getting down with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, not checking off a church box, but when we're worshiping, lifting your hands and worshiping Jesus. It's about Him, seeking Him. We need to seek His presence, we need to seek His face, we need to seek His guidance. He can bring so much meaning, so much purpose to your life. And if you're missing that, if you're feeling depressed or discouraged, or if you're wondering, where is this coming from? How am I going to find it? I don't have any other magic words for you this morning, other than the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And wherever you're trying to get to, it is found in Jesus. Whatever you are searching for, it is found in Jesus. And just like a compass shows you exactly where to go or exactly where you are and which direction to head, there's an uncharted destination in your heart. It's in your soul, and it's heaven. You were created for heaven. You were created for eternity. But so many of us, we want the blessing of heaven. We want the presence of God in our lives. But then we wander off, and we search for respect, and we search for significance, and we search for people to love us. We have this craving to be loved. but love comes from God. Every good thing comes from God. And so let's turn our face, let's turn our focus, let's turn our worship off of the things underneath this earth. And let's start setting our our minds on things above. Seeking Jesus. And I know that this sounds super spiritual and some of y'all are wondering, what does it mean to seek Jesus? But what it means to seek Jesus is to every morning, every day, whatever time works for you, open up the Bible, spend time in prayer. When we're worshiping, actually worship. It's so easy to sit in church It's so easy to be a Christian and to just be a spectator. It's so easy to kind of sit back and you're wondering why everybody else is raising their hands. It's because we know who God is. We have met God and he is good. There comes a time in our spiritual walk with Jesus where we got to take that next step. And I'm not saying you have to raise your hands and worship. I'm just saying, man, it's good to to just love God and worship him. But there comes a time in our relationships with Jesus where it's time to take the next step where it's no longer just coming to church and sitting in the back row, and then as soon as service is out, you're bolting out the door because you're just going to get home. But it's what does God have for me this morning in church? What is God trying to speak to me this morning in church? Tomorrow morning, what does God want to show you as you open up the Bible? On Tuesday morning, what does God want to speak to you in your prayer with him? This is not about religion. You weren't created for religion. Religion is a man-made thing but a relationship with Jesus is what you were created for. God has put eternity in your heart. So I want to close with a passage about who Jesus is. Two short verses, but Philippians chapter two says, therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee should bow and every tongue acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You want to live on the right path? You want to find fulfillment in life? Submit your life to Jesus. And the Bible says that whatever you seek for, you will find. Jesus says, seek me and you will find me. Pray and you will know my presence. Worship me and you will know my contentment and my peace come to Jesus. Whatever you have this morning, whether you're wondering what your purpose and meaning is in life, and whether you're down and depressed about that, or maybe you've got a need, maybe you need to be healed, maybe you just need prayer, maybe you just need to get right with God again, we want to give you the opportunity to do that during our last song. So we're going to take communion during our last worship song. And you've got about five or so minutes to come up here and take communion and then go back to your seats. If you want to say a word of prayer between you and God and just get right with him, I I want to encourage you to do that. But this next few minutes is designed for you to be able to seek God. The one who gives you life and meaning and purpose. This next few minutes is designed for that. So come to him for whatever you need. The worship team is going to come out and they're going to sing a song for us. But as we take communion, let's just spend some time with Jesus. The communion is gluten-free, so it's safe for everybody. It's non-alcoholic, so your kids can enjoy it. Uh, it's grape juice, so there you go. And then if you, when you come out, just exit your row on your right and then come back on your left. That way, traffic flows nicely. But let me say a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into it. <coughs> Father God, we thank you so much for everything that you have done for us. And Lord, we thank you so much that you are a God who has just not created us for, for work and then death. But Lord, you are a God who created us with meaning. Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, that when we, when we seek you, when we search for you, whatever we do, it adds purpose to everything. It doesn't matter if we're a surgeon or if we work at Subway, Lord, it adds purpose to everything. In our parenting, in our work, in our marriage, you give us purpose. You give us meaning. And so, Father, I pray that we are never distracted by the things of this world, the things that you've created that are supposed to be good and useful for us, But Lord, I pray that we never worship those things and we never seek out those things to give us satisfaction and fulfillment because they never will. Father, you've given us the truth of your word. You've given us the truth of how we're supposed to live. And so I pray that with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our our might, Lord, we can seek your face. We can love you. We can worship you and we can follow you. It's in your name I pray, amen.